listening to To The Spirit Podcast. Hi, friends, and welcome to The Spirit. I'm Beck. And I'm Steph. Hey, Steph. Hello. Before we dive in, anything new? Any new news? Anything you want to talk about? Um, the world's coming to an end. Well, <laughs> it is. And what better time to bring in all these crazy traditions that we <laughs> found worldwide? Might as well bring in the end of the world to some crazy uh, holiday traditions. I know. Whoever would have thought that the rest of the world doesn't necessarily believe in Santa Claus, but... Yeah, what the hell? Get on board. Didn't I didn't know that. I didn't know there was other things probably until the last few years. I thought it was just Santa Claus. Me too. And nobody else. <laughs> Me too. I came upon lots of crazy things. And we should probably start with what everybody knows. I mean, here in North America, we have Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. But in other places, they have things like Krampus, which has become kind of popular over the past, I don't know, five years, ten years? I think because of the movie, then there was little shows on TV that would talk about it a little bit. It's very disturbing when I think about it. It sounds horrifying it, on it a day that's horrifying. supposed to be really, really awesome for kids. <laughs> it is horrifying. So Krampus is a Central European legend. Half goat, half demon monster that punishes misbehaving children at Christmas time. We have the Grinch. Yeah, they go straight to hell if they misbehave. That's how parents got them scared. Did you read that? Well, he's the devilish <laughs> companion of St. Nicholas. He's believed to originated in Germany, and his name derives from the German word Klumpen, <laughs> which means claw. Great. Yeah. German yeah. sounds scary it does it's, it's a very <laughs> i apologize to our german listeners sometimes german sounds nice but when it's coming out of like hitler's mouth it sounds right very frightening sometimes it's a little rough around the edges like russian yeah that's just it sounds very masculine and not that there's anything wrong with that but we just, just offended all of our german listeners yeah, we're triggering everybody no we today. love you guys we're just saying we're just saying it, it ain't french <laughs> When Heidi Klum speaks German, it sounds really nice. Do you ever hear her? Well, of course it does. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on if you have NPR German. Yeah. I'm sure that we sound pretty annoying to some people, though, anyways. Not that we're going off on a tangent. Oh, we do. We sound, we sound, yeah. But okay. We have Krampus, but who else do we have? Well, there's another one. This one really shocks me. I found this out about a year or two ago. In the Netherlands, they celebrate this uh, character with Santa Claus. It's the same. It's like a partnership, you know, with Santa. So instead of Name, Krampus and St. Nick. Yeah, it's Black Pete. But it really has its roots in Krampus, the whole idea with Krampus. But it looks like that the story kind of changed somewhere in the mid-1800s where someone wrote a book and they turned it into a Spanish moor. And a moor is like a North African person that's basically went to Spain, maybe a slave, that type of thing. And they're darker-skinned people, so everyone in the Netherlands does blackface for Christmas. <laughs> really? Still to this day? Yeah, and red and red lips. It looks scary. It, lo it does look a little weird. Wait a minute. So wait, wait, whoa. So do they have Santa with a slave named Black Pete? Yes. And I'll get the exact word is uh, Zwarte. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing this right, but it's Zwarte Piet or Pete. I don't know how to... 
in German, Schwartz, I think, is the word for black. So it kind of sounds like Schwartz, like Schwartz, Schwartz or whatever, Zwarte. So here we are in America um, fighting over racial injustice. And meanwhile, over in the Netherlands, Santa's got a slave well, named they, Black Pete. Yeah, they, <laughs> they have come against it. Yeah. You know, it's like one of those things where I don't think they mean any harm behind it. But I think especially in our country, blackface is super offensive. Oh, it's racist. It's, I think it's really racist, you know, so... <laughs> But uh, I mean, I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. That's why I'm laughing. But like. even in Spain, like during their Easter celebrations, they have these people that these big giant candles that they use in a big procession and they'll have statues of the Virgin Mary and Jesus, like Jesus is on his way being crucified. So they have these huge parades where they're joining these statues up in the procession are these people dressed they look like Ku Klux Klan. Oh, man. But these are ancient, you know, so I'm guessing Ku Klux Klan oh, either... Oh, no, yeah, came way after. That came way after and that they, maybe they had saw that and they're like, that's a great outfit. Let's <laughs> dress up I like, like the them. pointy hat. <laughs> so those are the things that I'm, I was looked at, like, whoa. But that's startling to an American to see anyways. Frau Perchta? Now, I don't know if we're saying any of this correctly, is Austria and Bavaria. Uh, Perchta was said to roam the countryside at midwinter and to enter homes during the 12 days between Christmas and Epiphany. Do you know what Epiphany is? Yeah, that's when the three kings arrived where Jesus was born. And there's not a lot known with the timing of that because they're not sure if Jesus was just born or if if it's a while, like maybe. Right, yeah, the date is unconfirmed. But this Frau Perchta would uh, show up especially on the 12th night, and she would know whether the children and the young servants of the household had behaved well and worked hard each year. If they had, they might find a small silver coin the next day in a shoe or a pail. Now, if they had not, she would slit their bellies open, remove their stomach and guts, and stuff the hole with straw (laughs) and pebbles. She was particularly concerned to see that girls had spun their whole of their allotted portion of flax or wool during the year. She would also slit people's bellies open and stuff them with straw if they ate something on the night of her feast day, other than the traditional meal of fish and gruel. What country was that from? That was Austria and Bavaria. They love to scare the kids on this day for some reason oh in that country. Oh, my God. Like, she's coming to slit my belly, Mama. I did not <laughs> spin enough wool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I thought it was bad enough. The American punishment, if you're bad, is you don't get any toys. You get basically. coal. Coal you in the stocking. Coal. Yeah. But in other countries, you're going to die a horrible death. <laughs> horrible. Terrible. I mean, as a child, I wouldn't even want Christmas to come. I'd be like, I'm okay. I'm good, Mom. I don't need Christmas. As a child with anxiety, (laughs) I would be laying there imagining being alive the whole time. She's stuffing hay into my stomach. (laughs) Imagine how that feels up against the liver. (laughs) The Japanese don't have anything horrifying because they're not a Christian country. So they haven't had time to develop probably this crazy. Yeah. But they celebrate Christmas because it's like a worldwide phenomenon anyways. And they love to eat Kentucky Fried Chicken. Everyone tries oh, to get Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, I know I this. was like, wow, it, I wouldn't do that at all. No. <laughs> and actually, they do have these massive meals. Yes, of KFC. a barrel or something. It's, it's expensive, like a, yeah. too. Yeah, they go all out. And I guess the guy that was the first Japanese person to have KFC in Japan thought of this, and it worked. Like, because... 
I no, wonder what that's about. Well, they said they didn't have things like, they know that in the Western countries, a lot of foods are eaten that they don't have like turkey. Right. So he thought, well, let's do the chicken dinner thing. So it really worked. And to this day, you have to call in advance or oh, wait yeah. in line for hours. So yeah. I was like, wow, never would have thought KFC. I mean, I think it's kind of good. You know, growing up, I liked it. I don't go there no. now, but I wouldn't make it my holiday meal. It Not w- at all. It would ruin my holiday. No. <laughs> Sorry, KFC. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's cool, though. I mean, at least it's a little lighthearted mm-hmm. because the next one I have is Gryla and the Yule Cat. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Sounds right. Gryla and the Yule Gryla. Cat comes okay. out of Iceland. So the 13 evil Yule lads and their hideous ogre mother descend from the mountains to snack on tiny humans every holiday. Tiny humans? Yeah, little little kids. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I was like, is there another mythological creature I'm not? All right, tiny humans. So in the 1600s, this is how far back this goes, little Icelandic boys and girls... Oops, being so offensive with my terrible accents. <laughs> First heard about a woman named Gryla. And I'm saying that probably completely wrong because Icelandic is the hardest language to ever master or yet alone even try to pronounce. Uh, well, anyway, Gryla lived in the mountains with her aging husband and 13 sons, the Yule Lads. And a giant black cat, Gryla, was hideous. She was half ogre, half troll. And she had hooves, horns, and 15 tails. Not to mention the large warts on her nose. <laughs> now, since Gryla's family lived in the mountains, they didn't have a lot of dinner options. <laughs> so <laughs> she would send the Yule lads with names like Spoon Licker, Window Peeper, and Meat Hook into town, where they would snatch unruly children and bring them back to be cooked in a stew. The family's black cat named Christmas Cat ate only once per year. He waited until he could watch children unwrap their gifts at Christmas then he would eat anyone who didn't receive a piece of clothing. <laughs> <laughs> who came up with the story? What the hell? So by 1746, Icelandic youngsters were so terrified of being eaten, they wouldn't leave their homes. So the government stepped in and put a ban on using Gryla as an intimidation tactic. <laughs> <laughs> After that, the ogress and her brood cleaned up their images. Gryla decided to send her sons into town only 13 days before Christmas, and they were instructed to spread holiday joy rather than fear. So one at a time, wearing a red and white suit, the boys now traveled down from the mountain and placed gifts and shoes that children leave on their windowsills. And if the child of the house is good, they receive a small toy. If they're bad, they get a rotten potato. (laughs) But the bad kids figure rotten potatoes are better than being eaten, so they aren't too put off. Jeez. Each of those Yule lads have their own method of causing madness, in addition to the rotten potatoes corresponding with their names. Although many of these methods are rather tame, there is nonetheless something disgusting to each. What happened to the Christmas cat? He's still prowling around during the holidays. In fact, he's probably the reason why children still beg their parents to put socks under the tree every year. (laughs) Wow. We got to come up with our own. We don't have one for the U.S. Well, we have Santa. He's frightening anyways, because... We have the Grinch. You're letting a stranger come in your house, basically. The Grinch, but that's that's a cartoon. Well... I'm talking about something It's a, it's like a book. Came from a book. We need something to terrify children. Yeah, the Grinch isn't as terrifying. He's just mean. And we need people to come and slit their bellies open and <laughs> stuff them with hay. <laughs> now, this is a more lighthearted one. I'll, I'll do a lighthearted one for okay. you. Okay. 
In Venezuela, the capital of Caracas, swaths of city dwellers make their way to mass on roller skates every year on Christmas morning. Wow. I know. On roller skates, not ice skates? Roller skates. Well... In Venezuela? I don't know. Maybe it's oh, nice there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there's no... <laughs> what am I thinking? I don't know the weather in Venezuela. <laughs> Let's get the Zamboni, Venezuela. Let's go. <laughs> so, so the <laughs> the tradition is now so well established that many of the city streets are closed to traffic from 8 a.m. on the day so the skating congregation can get to church safely. I can't imagine going to communion with my skates on. Yes, you could. <laughs> yes, you could. You'd be excited for this. <laughs> like, I can't wait back... I'm lacing up and I'm raring to go. They must pick a church that doesn't have steps or something. Like my church has steps. I could, I'd have to like hold well, on to the Maybe they row. have to go sideways up the steps. Yeah, but that's annoying. <laughs> they should just have the doors wide open and you just whoosh, fly. I wonder if wheelies right would in. count. Yeah, you could use wheelies, you roller know? blades. Yeah. All of them. All of them. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. It's even said that children will sleep with one lace from their skates tied around their toe, the other skate dangling from the window so that their friends can wake them up with a friendly tug on the lace. This seems very dated. I know, but it's current. No, I believe it. It's just like you're going to lay there. Maybe it started in the late 70s when like disco skating or whatever was getting popular. (laughs) Santa do. Santa do. Santa do. Christmas. Hans Trap. Have you heard of this? No. Maybe it's Hans Trap. Hans Trap. Ah. Alsace Lorraine. Yes. Okay. Alsace Lorraine, France. And Pierre Fortard, France, Belgium, Switzerland. He's a legendary boogeyman from Alsace. Alsace Lorraine. I think that's where St. Joan of Arc is from. Yeah. Uh, regions of France. Mm-hmm. He accompanies Santa Claus to punish the naughty children. Here we go again. Santa's got some. Badass mofos with him. <laughs> he punishes the naughty children at Christmas while Santa delivers presents and gifts. That's the same thing, presents and gifts. Mm-hmm. Hans Trapp delivers beatings. Wow. Now, when Christmas approaches, naughty children tremble when their parents utter the words, Hans Trapp is coming. <laughs> Everyone knows the tale of Santa's evil counterpart. According to the legend, during the 15th century, there was a rich and powerful man who lived in the heart of Alsace. His name was Hans Trapp. The people of Alsace knew him to be vain, cunning, heartless, and cruel. His life was given over to lawlessness and debauchery, and his only goal was to enrich himself by all means necessary. It was said that he worshipped Satan and used black magic and occult rituals to obtain his wealth and hold on to his power. When the Catholic Church became aware of these misdeeds, Hans Trapp was arrested and brought before the Pope in Rome. He was excommunicated from the church for the crime of sacrilege. When he returned to Alsace, he was ostracized by the local people. Everyone fled from him as if he was a wild beast. His money and his land was confiscated, and he was left penniless. They say he was forced into exile in the forest and isolated himself from the rest of society. He found shelter on mountain of Geisberg in Bavaria, Germany, where he built himself a makeshift shack made from sticks. The solitude caused him to lose his mind, and he spent his days brooding and dreaming of revenge. His anger and resentment were intensified, and he became more deeply devoted to Satanism. Descending into madness, Hans Trapp began to dream of eating human flesh. This evil man was obsessed with a desire to bite into the flesh of a human arm, leg, or thigh. 
He roamed the countryside and disguised himself as a scarecrow by stuffing his ragged clothes with straw. He spent time gathering sticks and hay in the field and lying in wait looking for the perfect victim. One day, he spotted a young shepherd boy making his way through the woods. The boy was only 10 years of age, but Hans Trapp was determined to kill and eat him. As he stared at the young boy, he began to drool, imagining biting into this delicious, tender flesh. Before the boy knew what had happened, Hans Trapp pounced, attacking him viciously and running him through with a sharpened stick. Then he dragged the dying child back to his shack where he cut the boy into small pieces and roasted them over an open fire. When his monstrous meal was ready, he licked his lips and prepared to taste human flesh for the first time. However, before a morsel could even enter his mouth, a bolt of lightning came from the sky and struck him dead. As the story goes, God would not allow the abomination to continue and decided to end the crimes of Hans Trapp once and for all. Since that time, Hans Trapp has remained a terrifying legend in the folklore of Alsace and Lorraine. Every Christmas, he goes from house to house, clad in a scarecrow disguise, scaring the life out of small children and drooling greedily over their tender flesh. Merry Christmas, everybody. Holy <laughs> shit. I don't think we can top that, can we? No, I think if he had some KFC, though, this wouldn't happen. Oh, you know, that's all he needed was one of those big Japanese Christmas dinners. Cravings would have went away. <laughs> the child wouldn't have died. God wouldn't have zapped him with a lightning bolt. No, and he would have had a 12-piece of extra crispy <laughs> with a side of potatoes. <laughs> Okay, so the next one is a cobweb Christmas from Ukraine. Ukraine's strangest festive tradition is not one for arachnophobes. Where we would have baubles, tinsels, and stars, Ukrainians use decorations that mimic the natural formation of spiders' webs shimmering with dew. The tradition goes back to a folktale about a poor widow who could not afford... To, of course it's Ukraine, they can't afford anything. To, dec <laughs> to decorate a tree for her children. With spider webs. Yeah. Okay. Legend has it that spiders in the house took pity on the family's plight and spun beautiful webs all over the tree which the children awoke to find on Christmas morning. Spiders' webs are also considered to be lucky in Ukrainian culture. Did the kids find little dead bugs as peasants? <laughs> <laughs> Embedded into those spider webs? I don't know. That was very nice of the spiders. Kind of like... It uh, was. It sounds like the spiders have yeah. a heart or something. Yeah, like little little Charlotte and Charlotte's Yeah, like web. Charlotte's She's web. Like, Let me just web. weave you. Here, you get a web for Christmas. <laughs> the Germans also have a tradition of uh, a pickle ornament in their tree. Oh. Kind of goes with the whole German, like German pickles. I don't know. Sauerkraut is tinsel. <laughs> right. <laughs> goes back to like the 16th century, is it? I don't know. We've got the Kalakansari. Let's see if I can butcher this one again. The Kalakansari. That comes out of Greece, Bulgaria, Serbia, and Turkey. I'm tongue-tied today. Have you heard of this? The Kalakanzari? Mm -mm. Okay. Nope. 
Now we have cute elves, right? But they have these little dim-witted goblins called Kalakazari. I'm saying that wrong, but you guys can get the gist. I'm just going to call them little fuckers. <laughs> During the year, these little fuckers are forced to live underground. They spend their time sawing away at the pagan world tree in hopes of bringing it down, forcing the earth to collapse on itself and basically killing us and everything we know. On Christmas morning, the little fuckers are allowed to roam the earth, distracting them from their goal of bringing about the apocalypse. For the next 12 days, they spend their time scaring human beings and being general annoyances. Greeks take various forms of precaution against these encounters. The most popular thing that the Greeks do is they place a calendar outside on their doorstep. A calendar is that? Like a, a pasta like a drain. A pasta drain. Just think okay. of a big, you know, pasta drain thing. So they place the calendar on the doorstep and then the goblins get distracted counting the holes in it because they can't count above the number two. Hmm. They don't make much headway, so they can only count up to two because uttering the number three represents the Holy Trinity, and that would result in their immediate death. So in result, the little fuckers can stand there for days counting one, two, one, two, <laughs> over and over again. You know, they're not very bright. But if they do succeed in gaining entry into your home, uh, you can expect some aggravating and disgusting pranks. Putting out fires, rearranging furniture, defecating in any open containers of food, <laughs> and then expectant mothers have an added worry that time of year. It's believed that any child born over the holy nights risks turning into a little fucker. <laughs> little Kalakanzari. So Man. what did mothers do to protect their infants? They burned their baby's toes over an open fire. What? Yeah. If you didn't have a baby and the smell of burning baby flesh to worry about, you could also keep them out of your house by hanging a pig's jawbone over your doorway. Wow. Now, I'm sure you could make it more festive by adding some holly or tinsel or something. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All of these are so disturbing that I can't associate them with Christmas. At all. At all. That I'm like, this is more horrifying. It's almost like Halloween never ended. And yeah, our Halloween is horrifying. With theirs is a little bit different. They don't, don't do like ours. is really that horrifying. Well, it's, it's where you amp up all the horror movies okay, and, the, yeah, uh, and, and the, scary. the scary costumes. Yeah. Christmas is supposed to be the most joyful time of the year but it seems like i think parents are just desperate to get their kids in line <laughs> and culturally it shows in yeah different and methods here i think i would have great pleasure as a parent though to do that to my kids <laughs> really <laughs> don't you like to have that power over them and just laugh about it be like yeah or the you know the big monster with the giant heads coming up from the basement if you don't so far out of what you've heard which one would you think would be the, the scariest best? one would be it'd be krampus he's to me the scariest looking really one when you, you don't think see... the one that comes down and slits your belly open I mean, oh that's she... pretty bad yeah krampus say... is scary too though yeah yeah they're both pretty scary but it seems like he's like the slave of Santa, like Santa's has him under his control. Yeah. But Finland, many homes in Finland come equipped with their own sauna. I didn't know that. I know Finnish people like to do sauna, but I didn't know that all their homes had one. Must be pretty important to them. And at Christmas time, this cozy spot becomes a sacred space associated with long dead ancestors. And on Christmas Eve, it's customary to strip naked okay. and take a long and respectful stint in the sauna which is also believed to be home to the legendary sauna elf. Oh, okay. It's where elf on the shelf came. Well, I hope the sauna <laughs> elf is a nice one. After the sauna session, Finns head out to the evening celebrations while spirits of those ancestors take their place. 
Did you hear those Christmas bells ringing? I heard something. Oh, that's... Uh, Santa Claus. Those are Santa's elves. They're at the door. Yeah. They're waiting to deliver presents. Oh. Hear it? Yes. There it is. Now, Becky, when you think of Christmas food, what's your favorite food? Most people in the United States, we think of like... I like a nice Christmas lasagna. or ham or lasagna or, yeah, something that's really nice and special you don't normally eat. In South Africa, though, it's creepy crawlers that the local children look forward to eat. It's fried caterpillars oh. on Christmas may seem like one of the weirdest Christmas traditions around the world, but these caterpillars aren't just the run-of-the-mill variety you find in the garden. The pine tree emperor moth, or Christmas caterpillar, is covered in very festive hues, giving all who swallow a little extra luck in the coming year. Huh. Sounds not delicious and kind of <laughs> horrifying. I know, but I guess if you're in a country where food is a scarcity, maybe that's like, maybe that's amazing. They look, you can see a picture of it. They look like they might be a little oh, bit crunchy. Oh, yeah. Those kind of look like uh, not mealworms. They're like those tree grubs. <sighs> They're huge. When you peel the bark back, people claim they taste like bitter almonds. Oh, <laughs> Merry Christmas. In Guatemala, they have the burning devils. Wow. You do a full house clean in December. The dirt and the dust is gathered from every home, and each neighborhood creates a large pile. A devil statue is built and placed on top of the dirt and burned. The bad omens are said to burn up with the devil. That's not too bad. That's no, yeah, that's not bad at all. It's less frightening. It's more overpowering. Yeah. You know? Like you're, you're feel more empowered, like you have control over the evil that's going to happen. In uh, Norwegian folklore, Christmas Eve is the day when mischievous spirits and witches take to the skies for mischief and general tomfoolery. As witches often use brooms as their preferred mode of transportation, it is a tradition for Norwegian families to hide any cleaning supplies <laughs> <laughs> attached to sticks where the witches won't be able to find them. South Africa. Don't eat Santa's cookies. To keep kids from nibbling on Santa's cookies, parents tell children a story about a boy named Danny, which is kind of weird, you know? <laughs> They're using the name Danny in South Africa, but okay. He Maybe ate all of Santa's cookies and really angered his grandmother. And in her rage, she killed him. <laughs> and now their ghosts haunt houses during Christmas time. My God. This must be where... Was it South Africans are also Dutch, right? I think so, yeah. Because we know South Africans only eat caterpillars for Christmas. They don't have they don't have cookies. Greenland, raw whale and stuffed seal. Ew. Yep, that's their unusual holiday menu. It's raw whale skin served with a side of blubber. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, another Christmas treat is called kiviak, and that's auk bird stuffed into seal skin. Left to ferment for half a year. And, uh, you know, what a delicacy. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think it sounds awesome. <laughs> Delish. Five-star dining. The U.S., it's real classy here. We have the drunk Santas. Now that, I can see this. I remember seeing something about this in the past, about the drunk Santas. Yep. Everybody uh, flocks from all over the world to New York City, decked out head to toe dressed as elves, Santa, and snowmen, and they participate in a citywide bar crawl. And they usually start before 8 a.m., so by the time they're roaming the streets by mid-afternoon, they're wasted. Wow. I mean, it's... I wonder if that's like a Guinness World Record for, like, Santas being in one place. Sweden, in 1958, a Christmas special called, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, so I'm going to try to. Okay. 
So I apologize to apologize to everybody everywhere because we can't talk properly. But go ahead. It's like something like Kali Anka Ok Hans Bonner Anskar Good Jewel. Wow. God Jewel. Good. I don't know. Or Donald Duck and his friends wish you a Merry Christmas. <laughs> That's what, what it translates to. <laughs> Every Christmas. <laughs> Families around Sweden gather around the television at 3 p.m. sharp to watch Donald Duck. Everything on Christmas is planned around the television special, and more than 40% of Sweden's population still tune in like clockwork. The tradition dates back to the 1960s when televisions were a new commodity in Sweden, and only two channels aired one of which played Disney cartoons at Christmas. It may be a quirky tradition, but a whole nation coming together to watch Christmas cartoons together is about as Christmas as it gets. But we used to do that as kids. I mean, it seemed like every week coming up to Christmas, there was some sort of cartoon or something on at night, like on Friday night. Yeah. And uh, to me, that was one of the best Yeah, like Charlie Brown. Mm -hmm. But, you know, riding on that in England, British television they do ghost stories for Christmas. And that started on the BBC One between 1971 and 1978. And then they revived it in 2005. And basically what they are, they're stories. They're oral traditions of supernatural tales at Christmas. But they're scary. They're actual scary ghost stories. And they play that traditionally for Christmas. Hmm. Kind of cool. sounds fun. Yeah, kind of like Halloween for us. Yeah. For them, Christmas. The guy that wrote these, I believe his name was M.R. James, and he was the one that wrote all these ghost stories that were adapted for television, starting off in black and white and then rolling on through. Kind of cool. Mm-hmm. This one is easily the most outlandish Christmas tradition. It's called Tio de Nadal, the Christmas log, and it's also called the poop log. Oh, this sounds great. Okay. So Tio de Nadal is made from a hollow log with stick legs, a smile, and a red hat. Every evening between December 8th and Christmas Eve, the children feed the log small treats with water and leave him under a blanket to keep him warm. On Christmas Eve, things get weird. Children are tasked with beating the log with sticks while singing traditional songs, which include amazing lyrics such as poop log poop nougats, <laughs> hazelnuts... <laughs> And Mado cheese. If you don't poop well, I'll hit you with a stick. Poop log. After Wait a minute, that didn't even rhyme. I don't know. We'd have to hear it in Spanish. And why do so I maybe imagine it, rhyme it in like, Spanish? you know, Willy Wonka, like, poop, log, poop, <laughs> nugget. <laughs> Doopity, poop. Because it sounds like that in English. I think if it was in Spanish, it'd probably have some little rhyming going on. I don't know. Okay. After Tio de Nadal is properly beaten... And serenaded, the log magically poops out presents and candy, where he is then considered useless and thrown in the fire for warmth. <laughs> Do you think Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh came from that? I don't know. I never even heard of that. You never heard of Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh? No. Heidi ho! No. It's South Park. So the last one I say for last because I've heard about this when I lived in Italy, and it really shocked me because I didn't. I thought their cr Christmas traditions were similar to ours, but they have several. But one of them is this La Bafana. Mm -hmm. And when I first learned about her when I was in Italy, they said, oh, she's a witch. She delivers presents. And like, I'm thinking Santa delivers presents. You have a witch. And it sounded so Halloween-y to me. But then I never looked it up. I never talked about it. I just heard about it and it ended. And then until recently, we decided to research it for this. It really surprised me. 
because not only is it not on Christmas night that she does it, it's on the Epiphany. And we talked about the Epiphany just yeah. in the beginning. And that's kind of a play on her name, Bafana Epiphany. It kind of sounds, they said that it's really taken from that. There's also something pre-Christian. There's a pagan tradition that a witch used to give gifts. So they think it might have been adapted from that also. But it's kind of a, a sad and interesting story. La Bufana has roots in pre-Christian times. There was a pagan goddess who ruled over the custom of gift-giving at the time of the winter solstice. She represented the dying year, and her gifts were the last ones she would bestow for the year. With the coming of Christianity, the story gradually evolved. La Bufana was an old woman who lived alone in the country. On the night of Christ's birth, the three wise men stopped by her home, to invite her to the journey to Bethlehem. She declined, citing that she had too much housework to do. Well, that's a quite a haul, though, too, from yeah. Italy to <laughs> Bethlehem, but okay. I know, I didn't know they stopped there on the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the wise men told her the significance of the birth and the splendid star in the sky. La Bufana still declined shortly. She's like, eh, I got to clean the house. I got to bake the lasagna. <laughs> I feel like I'm murdering people right now. Shortly after the wise men left her house, Labafana thought of the child she had lost. She wanted to see the Christ child and bring him a gift. She also wanted to help Mother Mary by cleaning up the place where the baby now was. So now she has regrets. She's like, well, maybe if I go I help the Mother Mary. <laughs> Sound like Chef Boyardee. <laughs> In a hurry, Labafana grabbed her broom, packed some toys into a basket, put on her old shoes and ragged shawl. She set out to find the holy child, but was unable to locate the correct road to take. Then something magical happened. Labafana rose into the air and sat on her broom. She traveled throughout the night, stopping at houses where children lived. She went down the chimney and left gifts for good children. Bad children got a lump of coal. Oh, Sounds okay. a lot like yeah. Santa Claus. Yeah. Every year, Labafana seeks the Christ child and continues to leave her gifts or lumps of coal. To win her favors, an offering of wine and some sweet bread or cake is left for her. So they probably put out wine and like a slice of panettone. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I would Only the that. best. That would be probably, I would love that for breakfast. I would, oh, that'd be, that, that'd be really good. But I like how there's the story is she's still seeking, she's, she's like a spirit that just keeps on seeking the Christ child because she should have done it in the first place. She missed her opportunity, and now she's like... I kind of like her. I like her. You know what I would leave her? Hmm. I'd leave her a nice port and a box of sweaty balls. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there's an actual recipe for sweaty balls? Listen, everybody needs sweaty balls. <laughs> They're the perfect <laughs> Christmas treat. Well, friends, we want to wish you a happy holiday, no matter if you're putting spider webs all over your tree. Pickles or sauerkrauts. Bashing poop. With sticks. A poop log. Eating whale blubber. We just want to extend that Christmas greeting, that holiday greeting to you. And uh, thank you for being our listeners. I'm Beck. And this is Steph. And we have a pizza to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. To the Spirit Podcast. Supernatural Society. I'm Ghost. I'm Ghost. Spirit. Divine source. Heaven. The dead. It's magic, magic.